0: Good afternoon, everybody. How you doing? Welcome. Welcome to uh, generosity on steroids. Uh, There are no steroids. Uh, uh, I I do hear that there are. uh, Never mind. I can get into the (laughs) drugs. But uh, my name is uh, Josh McDonald. I pastor Authentic Church in New Philadelphia, Ohio. Uh, we were a church plant uh, in 2012, so uh, September 9th. Yes, 2012. Uh, who in here is a, uh, is a pastor? All right. Who in here is a pastor that needs more money? <laughs> All right. So uh, we, uh, we, I'm sure most of you are, are like myself and that, you know, you, you've sold yourself into this. You, you're living this life. You love this life. Um, and you want to figure out how you can uh, do more with what, what God's, you know, the vision that God's given you. So uh, I'm excited to, to uh, introduce to you guys this, uh, this afternoon, uh, officially Jonathan Wilkins, but he is, goes by John John, Pastor John John. Uh, and so... Uh, He pastors a church in San Francisco, also a church plant, but he's going to give you that story uh, of when he launched and how he launched. And so, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you welcome uh, Pastor John John? What's up, everybody? Everyone doing all right?
1: Go ahead, your, your food, your lunch. What up, J.D., in the building? Uh, hey, I'm John, John, my wife, my better half is right over there. That's Pastor Elena. I'm going to turn this this yep. way. Okay. There we go. We're going to keep it chill here today. Um, but I see some faces some friends that I recognize. Um, he calls me John, John. If you call me Frank or Barnabas, if you're buying lunch, you call me whatever the heck you want to call me, and we're cool <laughs> with that. Um, but uh, we planted six years ago, just two weeks after these guys, and... Um, We planted in San Francisco. So, my wife and I, we were youth pastors uh, for 16 years. And um, I started the journey with hair. And um, (laughs) along the way, something happened. But we felt the call of God to plant in San Francisco. And we like to say here at ARC that there's the ARC way and the wrong way of planting. And unfortunately, I took the wrong route. And looking back, I'm like, what were we thinking? But God, by divine orchestration and lots of mercy, helped us get back on track. And uh, so our story is just kind of simple. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about generosity, but I wanna I wanna set the backdrop so you can you can feel it and uh, for faith to be stirred up in your own heart as well. Um, so a- as youth pastors, we felt the burden to go plant. And by the way, how many planters do we have here? Church planters, either in the process. We got some folks that are killing it up in Washington State. My boy in, in Michigan, who says he's got great food, he's invited me to, to come chop it up with him. But um, so we got some planters. Most of our, our app sessions, uh, the majority of the folks who attend are support ministers, or people considering planting. So this is not just for a lead pastoring uh, uh, app session. So this is, this is applicable to all of us. But uh, our story, we had a, a burden to go plant. We didn't know uh, exactly how we'd get there and how we, we'd plant in San Francisco, but um, after seeking the Lord and... And uh, uh, we did the mobile church thing for 16 years. Our church was mobile. We had to set up and break down every weekend. And youth services, we had to set up and break down Friday night. So by the time it was our turn to plan, I said, Lord, if we have found favor with you. And Lord, rem- remember, we, uh, we started with hair. And um, Lord, if there's a way that we could find a building. Lord, if you would just grant us, you know, a, a miracle in the heart of San Francisco. Lord, we would love you forever, you know. And, um, so... Our, our, our sending church sent us out with great support, great prayers, not a lot of money at all, but we were believing for a miracle that God would give us a building in San Francisco to use. Now, at ARC, we would not recommend that you get into a lease right, right, right from the beginning. We say kind of test the waters, kind of build some momentum. There's some wisdom there. Again, we didn't do it the Ark way, and God was merciful and gracious and spared us from calamity, Right. But we were praying, and for eight months, we were fasting, seeking the Lord, and going on Craigslist, and LoopNet, looking for that place, and they tell us now that San Francisco is the most expensive city in the nation, and real estate is ridiculous, and yet I'm like, God, again, I, I feel like you got my, my picture on your refrigerator. I, there's favor on our lives, and Lord, I'm believing for, for a breakthrough, and how many of you have heard the statement before that you're walking today in the prayers of six months ago? Have you heard that? As you pray and as you seek the Lord preemptively, God begins to set you up, and he begins to, by divine orchestration, he begins to set the things up for you so that as you walk into your destiny, things are already set up for you by him. And so we had been praying and seeking the Lord, believing for this miracle, but it wasn't materializing. And um, finally, with three weeks to go, three weeks before our launch Sunday, imagine that, all of your promo material, like, come. We don't know yet, yet or quite yet, where we're going to be at, but come and hang out with us for a long service. Check out our website. And... Uh, Three weeks before launch, we didn't have a building, and this little, this little building, a 5,000-square-foot building it used to be a Taekwondo studio. They were shutting down. They are looking for a, a tenant. We said, you know what? Well, we'll take it. The price was ridiculous, but by faith, we could afford at least two and a half months. Let's do it. That was stupid. And, um, but, hey, it's something. It's a star. We're stepping into our Jordan River, and the night before we're signing the lease, the, the owner, the agent said that the owner, he tossed and turned all night long, and he just wasn't at peace with us he said man nice people cool folks but um this is probably not the best fit for them and the day that we went to go sign the the lease they the agent just ripped and said i'm so sorry but the owner says that this isn't going to work out and uh so we're like oh lord jesus so i remember driving away a block away i I parked and uh, i just started crying out to god literally crying out to god oh god you know and i'm parked there and i'm just I, i built an altar unto the lord again and just began to cry out to god god please this is about your name, it's not even about our name, this is about you reaching people, you love this city, God, please, you know, and, and like, Lord, show us where to go, and after a while, uh, I said, you know what, let me, let me go to the well again. I open my, my computer, and bloop, right there on LoopNet, the building pops on the screen, and I'm parked right next to it. Three times the size of the previous building that we were looking at, a big old warehouse in downtown San Francisco, and the setup for that was the, the new owners wanted to uh, develop that, turn it into some apartments, so they needed a short-term tenant that would take it as is for about three years. And I said, I think we can work with you. So I called my wife, and we walked inside the building, and it was a porn studio.
0: <laughs>
1: Amazing. we can do this. Come on, we got a baptismal tank right over there and over there and there. I'm not sure what we're going to do with those poles right there, but we'll do something with those. Stages and lights. I mean, like it's set. It's gonna be church. And um, the fair market value for that property was about sixty-five thousand a month. That's what that's what the market would call for, and we got it for just under eight thousand a month, which was ridiculous. That's a miracle, and there were so many different miracles. I'm going to spare you all the the details because I want to talk about what it is to be a people of generosity, but. That was a response. God was just showing kindness to us because we had already been found faithful prior to that. And we were believing for a big miracle from a big God because those are the kinds of prayers that he listens to, right? And uh, so we were able to, to sign this lease. And what's crazy about it was three years turned into five years. And it wasn't until this last fall that we finally got the, the letter saying, hey, you've got 90 days to move. And we we're right back at that place again. Lord, we need another miracle in San Francisco. And uh, how many of you know that God has seldom early, but he's never late? And this time it was like two weeks before we had to be gone. Now, previously it was three weeks. Now it's two weeks. And um, two weeks before we were gone, my wife was ministering in Thailand with our family. And I stayed home and the Lord dropped another building on our laps, bigger than the previous one. And uh, the price, I won't bore you with all the details, but we were able to, to get it for half of what the, the owner wanted. And once again, it was just another miracle, and people ask us, like, how, how is it that you guys have buildings, and we have a 10-year lease, and I'm believing that we're going to own it? Someone say, you're going to buy it? Someone say, you're going to buy that building? No, but we're going to own it. <laughs> and someone said, how do you find favor? How is it that the Lord's done this for you guys? And uh, I think a lot of it has to do with our response to him. He's looking for folks that are generous. He's, he's looking for folks that have a big heart, big vision, and uh, not that we're special, but we learned a long time ago, you can't outgive God. And uh, So our church so most churches in San Francisco, they don't have a building that they can use so they have to rent Facilities through the weekends auditoriums uh, schools and different venues our church We host about seven different churches that come through Hillsong San Francisco comes through sozo church the father's house Liberty Church, I mean fill in the blank all of our friends come why because God's blessed us with the building We say come and use it for the glory of God Prior to us launching uh, we were in that place where we had served as youth pastors for sixteen years, and uh, we felt the bug more than that we felt the call and the burden to go plant and yet the Lord was setting us up and he 's he's placing that dream like a pregnant mom it's it 's inside of us and it 's growing, but the timing wasn't right quite yet. We felt like we were ready like we're ready to, to go <laughs> and to charge our mountain and yet one of our overseers says, "You know what I think it would honor the Lord if you guys would stick around for three more years." I'm like, you kidding me? You know, and we love our church, love our pastors and all that, but three more years, and like, yeah, they're going through a capital campaign, and if you transition right now, it would just, it would really derail a lot, a lot of what's going on with that church, and I'm like, all right, through that process, the, the, uh, the Lord began to speak to my wife and I about sewing into another man's field, and we began to sow financially, and you know, if you've been through a capital campaign, they're the, they're the worst, we hate them, hate them, hate going through those uh, But we felt like the Lord challenged us to be generous and to be extravagant in our generosity. So rather than saving towards our own church plant, we gave a lot of money. I won't bore you with numbers because it doesn't matter. But for us, it was significant. It's like tithing three times more than your average tithe, 40% of our income given away into another man's field. And by, by just God's sovereignty and his blessings, he provided for our own needs through that whole time. I mean, we, we went all the way down to Top Ramen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We got four kids. Like, how are we going to do this? Well, we're going to sow sacrificially and generously into another man's field. And you know what? God honored that. And he blessed us. And by the time we stepped out of the boat and we, we stepped onto our water, so to speak, God miraculously continued to come through. And, uh, and I could go on and on sharing the stories of how God, God would stir us up to do something crazy, and all of a sudden, more miracles would happen. So, for instance, the, the launch Sunday that we had, the Lord spoke to us. Everything that comes in, and launch Sunday is a big Sunday, right? That's going to be your largest offering for a while because all of your friends and your, your grandma, your mama, everyone's going to sow into that. We felt like the Lord said, give it all away to all, to other ministers that have been serving this field already for years. Just just be faithful and just be generous. And we're like, really, God? Is anybody else out there? You know, like, who's talking here? And, but we felt like the Lord was telling us to do that. And we did. We gave everything away, emptied out our savings account. We were church planters. And the day after we launched, we had zero in our bank account. That's crazy. But again, you hear the word of the Lord. If you don't hear the word of the Lord, don't do it. You'd be stupid, right? We heard the word of the Lord, and we responded. And god continued to miraculously provide and uh by by we, we planted in in september thanksgiving comes right around the corner in november and it's thanksgiving season and the lord says all right you got a, a little bit of money in your your account again give it away again I'm like oh lord jesus I'm like that's 10 grand that 10 grand for a church planner is a lot of money and uh, so on thanksgiving weekend we went and blessed other ministries and folks that were serving our communities and God challenges us again. Can I tell you? And this isn't like a a gimmick or something like try this and it'll work for you. Hear the word of the Lord. But that next month, $100,000 came in miraculously from different sources, inheritances, and different things. And we're like, this is pretty cool. You can't outgive God. And um, so, generosity. So, immediately, we then started building churches in India and and, and helping with other church planters and and, and partnering with Ark. And it's impossible to outgive God. But how do we get there? It comes from a, a set of values that we have. Generosity is one of our core values. So today what I want to talk to you about, I'm wanting to build some faith to encourage you because there's not a system to get more money out of people. That's not the goal. But there is the goal of teaching people on how to have the right heart. When it comes to generosity in Scripture, we see that there's the gift of generosity, right? Paul talks about the gift. We also understand that there's the spirit of generosity. There's moments where, where the Holy Spirit will prompt people and sometimes a group in a church to just be generous and to be extravagant. So there's the, the, the gift of generosity, there's the spirit of generosity, and then there's the culture of generosity. And that's what we're going to talk about this afternoon, how to develop and how to cultivate a culture of generosity within your own church. You want to see finances grow, you want to see people just uh, uh, stepping into the, the principle that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive, then learn some of these principles that we've learned. And I'm going to just share from, uh, from personal uh, testimony and understand this, that um, that there is no perfect model. Jesus is the perfect model. These systems are amazing, but we're all fully dependent on the Holy Spirit, right? Can I get a loud amen? Yeah. So what works for us, it might play out a little differently for you, but um, the principle of, uh, of generosity, I write this down if you could. Generosity is seldom convenient. It's always a conviction and a choice. So generosity is seldom convenient. It's always a conviction and a choice. Will you choose to be generous? Because if you wait to get that feeling, oh, right now I just feel like being generous, you're going to be waiting for a long time. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's a conviction. And you have to choose. You know what? We're going to choose to be generous. My wife and I, before we launched our church, we said, you know what? One of our core values is generosity. We want to be generous. We want to, we want to partner with heaven and partner with God and become conduits of his blessings. So Lord, pour in through us so that we can be a blessing to others blessed to be a blessing is the idea there and you know what and we're standing here today and, and it's it's by the mercy of God that we're able to to see what's playing out in San Francisco and God continuing to provide in and through our our ministry and we look at each other and saying man we couldn't have done this we couldn't have scripted this but God continues to pour in and through us and our church from day one we were a generous church and I think for believers we should all strive to at minimum be tithers right and we can talk about that for a minute but and then above tithe, that's generosity right there. Tithe is the obedient piece. You just be obedient. The first 10 belongs to the Lord already. Then above and beyond, that's generosity. And our church, my, my admin guy gave me a report just a couple weeks ago. said, Pastor, right now we're tracking at 22.5% of our income that we've received. We've been able to sow back out. And I praise the Lord. I'm not that smart, but as the Lord continues to lead us and connect us, we're able to sow. And our church gives extravagantly. So there's a generosity culture that we're we're developing and it's always a work in progress. You never arrive, you always have to continue to work at it. So there will be seasons when you're like, man, there's a surge of generosity, and people are giving extravagantly, that's amazing. And then there's seasons that you go up and down. So you never arrive. You always have to keep working the field. Not the people working the field. Are you with me so far? So I'm going to give you five thoughts because our app sessions are more about application, trying to. Uh, Trying to uh, give you tools and instruments That you can apply in your own context Again, maybe you're part of a large city And it's like, wow, the cost of living is crazy Or maybe you're part of a smaller town And maybe the numbers and figures are different The principle, though, translates anywhere So here's a first thought When it comes to cultivating a culture of generosity In your church First thought right here that I can share with you is this Number one, be a generous leader Because it starts with you The church will only go as far as you go so it starts with you. If you're a generous person, then the church is going to catch that bug, and they're going to start, for instance, when I hang out with friends from the south, you know, you hang around them for a little minute, and all of a sudden you start talking like them as well. How you doing, ma'am? You know, and right? Isn't it true? And um, when you hang around people that are generous, it gets on you. They see how extravagant or how generous you are at the restaurant when you go out. And By the way, if you go out and, and you're tipping 10 or 15%, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. Because you're talking about your church and you're bringing reproach to your church. Mm-hmm. 10 or 15 percent. That was 30 years ago. That's what folks would tip. Now, if you're not giving 20 to 25 percent, you're not even cutting it. So when you're chopping it up and you're talking about kingdom stuff and talking about your church and you're leaving a poor tip. Oh, my goodness. Right. So but when you're generous, people all of a sudden they listen and servers and busboys. They listen. Other tables, they listen. They're like, man, those are some. And the server, when they get that bill and they see that you left 30 percent. That's better than a track right there. That's better than an invite. Like, man, I like those people. And they hear you talking about your church. Going to, they're, going to, they're going to come check it out. I'm just telling you. It starts with the leader. My wife and I, we chose, even when it's uncomfortable, we're going to choose to be generous. And from day one, we, we positioned ourselves. It wasn't easy. And, but we're like, we're going to do this. We're going to obey the Lord. And as we've been generous, the church has rallied around us, and they are generous as well. So generosity with the leader starts with you. Choose to be generous and lead by example. And the generosity is not about an amount, it's about a heart condition. It's an attitude, it's a lifestyle, right? Generosity, it becomes contagious. As you're doing it, those around you, they begin to pick up on that as well. When it comes to generosity, you can't outsource your generosity. Now, I believe in prayer teams, for instance, right? Like, hey, I got my circle of intercessors around me. They're praying for us. Praise the Lord. If your intercessors are doing all your praying and you're not praying as a leader, you're terrible. You're not a leader. You can't outsource your prayer life. You can't outsource evangelism. You can't outsource generosity. It starts with you. You are the lid of the ministry or the church or the team that you lead. Are you with me so far? If you're expecting them to be generous and you're not, it ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen that way. So it starts with you as a leader. you, You lead out. The church will only go as far as you go, so, so pray hard, give hard, play hard, reach people for Jesus. That's the way we roll. Acts twenty 35. You're going to be familiar with this passage because we all quote the last part of the verse. The last part of the verse you're going to be very familiar with, but let me read the entire verse and see if you catch the first part of this, all right? Acts 20, verse 35, it says, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, where he says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, we all quote the last part. But did you notice the first part? He says, I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need. Someone say generosity Generosity. By by working hard. That's what Paul says. That's what he's talking about right here. I've been an example to y'all because I've been working hard and I've been caring for others. So I'm not asking of you something that I myself am not willing to do. And he sets the example. Paul later says, follow me as I follow Christ. There's a principle of leadership there. You can't expect from the people something that you're not willing to do yourself. So when it comes to generosity, it starts with you as the leader first. Maybe you're a support leader here today. And you're saying, man, I don't lead a church yet. Maybe I'm just... Maybe our church isn't that, that generous yet. Start with your sphere of influence. You be generous and watch how the Lord is going to bless you, how he's going to prosper you. And maybe it's just going to tip the, the bucket, so to speak, and it's going to get on your lead pastor or the team or whatever. And it's going to help set your church free in the area of finances. Am I preaching to somebody here today? Here's a second thought. So first, you're, you're a generous leader yourself. Number two, the church must be generous. So be a generous church. Now, what do we mean with that? Like, pastor, we're talking about cultivating a culture of generosity Do I expect the church to be generous? This is what I mean in this context here. Have you ever been to one of those churches where they charge you for everything? It's like, we got a spaghetti fee because we're raising uh, money for a mission trip to Mexico. So you get there, and then you got to buy the the baskets, you know, and then there's an auction for something. And then, like, good Lord, you're tired. It's like, so now you're having to borrow from your tithe money to help little Johnny go to Mexico. You feel me? It's like, how's that play now? How's this working? You go to churches, and it's like they're charging you for everything. Don't be that church. Maybe you're there right now, like, oh, snap, how did that happen? Just stop. Move on. Behold, the yesterday's behind you. Today is a new day. Come on, somebody, right? But if you're charging people for everything, it indicates something, and it, it indicates where your values are. Who is the most important person in your church? The people, not you. What is the most important? The people, not your programs, and oftentimes, we charge people for everything. So we decided, my wife and I, we said, you know what? As youth pastors, we're sick and tired of doing all these fundraisers, selling candy bars, car washes, auctions, all that stuff. <laughs> Write the book on fundraiser. We did it. And I said, I will never do a fundraiser again, period. And we haven't. I'm like, you know what? We don't have to raise funds. people are generous, everything that we need, God is going to provide through his people. If it's his will, it's his will. His if it's his vision, it's his provision. Yeah. So that's, that's the way we roll out. Like, we're not going to do fundraising. We believe that God's going to raise up a mature church that gets it. And by, by virtue of biblical, timeless principles from Scripture, you can't outgive give God. Watch how the Lord will provide. So a generous church. Here's a, here's a thought here. Express collectively what you expect from them individually. Meaning you're expecting them individually to be generous then collectively as a church let's all be generous meaning let's throw a party up in here and let's not charge people to come to our party we're going to cater some food and we're going to bring a couple hundred people out and it's going to cost us several thousand dollars come on let's party why because our volunteers deserve it maybe you've been paying money everywhere but you know what come to our church because we're going to there's not going to be no 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 peanut butter and jelly sandwich uh uh, meal we're going to like cater some good food and come and hang out and people are going to come and they're going to feel appreciated they're going to be amazed and by the way, there's always going to be a few that are going to be mad at you, too. Like, oh, how dare you do that? Why are you spending God's money on throwing a big old party and, and spending on this catered meal and giving people away merch, T-shirts and hats and sunglasses or whatever, gift cards and prizes? Why would you be wasting money with that? I said, man, they're like, they got the Judas spear right there. I think of John 12, John chapter 12, right? Verse 4 through 6 right there. It says that Judas was ticked that there's a lady that came and she remember what she did. Like she gave what was the equivalent of one year's worth of wages. She poured it out on Jesus. and He's like, dang, she should have given that to the church. And it says right there, just read it in John 12. He wanted the money because yeah. it says that Judas was already a thief and he was swooping up from the tithe bucket right there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was already taking his cut and he was mad that she would she would ruin his profit, so to speak. There's always going to be some haters around you. There's always going to be folks that, you know what? And by the way, the critics, they always sit in the cheapest
0: seats.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what that means? They're not invested. They're not sowing. They're not generous. But they're the loudest critics in your church. you got to learn to just turn them out. The Bible says, uh, Jesus says, Matthew 6, 33 says, wherever your treasures are, your heart will be handcuffed to that right there. So when they're critical and they're negative like that, and you can tell they're not giving or sowing anything, don't even listen to them. Give them the Heisman. Have them talk to the hand. They're not part of your culture. Are you with me so far? And don't allow them to influence you or your circle of leaders. If they're influencing you guys like, oh, no, we don't want to offend so-and-so, let them go. Real talk. It's going to spare you a lot of time and headaches and Tylenol. Amen, somebody? So when I say collectively, express it. (laughs) Demonstrate your generosity regularly towards them and also towards your community man we like to party we like to celebrate and, and and every weekend we try to just celebrate another something that the church has done like man this last week we were able to give 250 bags to uh, we call them bags of love to those that live in the projects and like they don't have food and we're going to come we're going to bless on them we're going to help them and hygiene products food and whatever and man thank you church you guys are extravagant you guys are crazy cool you're amazing we love you let's give it up to all of our volunteers and we celebrate their generosity They gave, they gave their time, their finances, their resources, their energies to make a difference in someone else's life. So we celebrate that, and we do that regularly. We like to party around around our parts as much as we possibly can. So you're demonstrating collectively what you're expecting from the person individually. It is more fun to give than it is to receive. So all of a sudden, there's this electricity in the room, right? I'm giving you some principles, and I'm going to give you some how-tos real soon as well. So be generous towards your own church body itself. Be generous towards your city and community. Be generous towards missions and church plants. Be generous. Brag. Like, you connect with us here at the Ark. you can brag that, you know what, our, our giving, our generosity at our local church is helping us plant 800 life-giving churches here in America alone, plus the other nations around the world. So you, you tell Brother John and Sister Marys like, listen, your generosity, we are affecting regions. We are affecting our nation, and we get to be a part of this. Thank you for your generosity. So it's a biblical principle, and we, we demonstrate that. We celebrate that. And um, by the way, someone might be thinking, like, so does that mean that you guys don't charge for anything? We actually do charge for a few things. There, a couple other things, and our value behind it is this. We're not trying to make money out of anything, but we're trying to help people understand value to everything. So, for instance, like, like we have a whole coffee house, and, and at first we started giving away coffee, and, and we noticed a lot of people would, would drink half of their, their, their latte, which was dope. It was a great cup, but they're like, eh, come back for something else. Like They didn't appreciate the value of that, so we actually started charging, not because we we're trying to make money from them, but all of the proceeds goes to one, one of our missions projects. Everything you give as you, as you purchase coffee today is going towards wherever. And all of a sudden, they're paying their $4 for a cup, and they're sipping every little bit of it. Like, this is delicious coffee. And they value what they're sipping, right? Classes. Oh, at first, we're like, we won't charge. We're just going to be generous. And all of a sudden, you see the attrition. They paid nothing. About week four into that class, that seven-week seven series, you notice everyone just kind of like drops out. Have you noticed? They're not invested. They haven't purchased anything. So we say, you know what? Well, we're going to charge $30 for this class. And all of the proceeds from this class is going to help us uh, build some churches in Ghana, West Africa. Now, like, let's do it. If anything, like we're going to be so into mission. So they, they, buy, and they, and the attendance continues pretty strong all the way to the end. It's a principle. Whenever someone is invested, they, they continue to, to come out. Like maybe you've owned some stocks before, right? Back in the day, I, I owned some Apple stocks, and dude, every day I was going on my little app checking. Like, ooh, it went up a couple, you know, a quarter of a percent. Woohoo! And then once I sold my Apple stock, I couldn't care less. I couldn't tell you today what it's trading for. I, I, why? Because I'm not invested any longer. So there is something about charging, but not to make money from the people. It's just using it to produce value. That's the, that's the concept behind it. Hopefully that, that makes sense to you. And being that your church, I, I don't know about your church setting, but um, our church, many planters here, we, one of our convictions, like whatever the Lord brings in... We're going to choose to tie the back out anyway. So we're going to help other church planters and missions endeavors. So you should already have a figure in your annual budget, like a portion of whatever comes in. We're going to give that out anyways. So why not use that to make a difference locally and globally? And let me show you a couple of thoughts real quick. Um, and I've heard this real, uh, connecting to that Judas knucklehead. that's always questioning like what, what you do with your money, Right. Um, there's always going to be folks that are going to come, you're not being a good steward of God's resources. What if God is trying to, to bless us so that someday in a rainy day we have the resources to move to the next building or whatever? Have you ever had some of those at your church? Like they come and they, they challenge your, your heart and your, your integrity, and you're, we're not being good stewards. They're, they're the Judas, right? Um, don't, allow, don't allow that talk to, to produce stinginess in your team around you because Jesus says, I will build my church. We're called to be wise and we're called to steward his resources. But when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about being generous, he's wanting to challenge you to trust him even more. Like, how much can I bless you with? Can I bless you with this much? Can I bless you with a little bit more? And as you're modeling it to the church, modeling it to them collectively, they're going to be blessed Person, that the church will continue to prosper. So don't allow the naysayers and the haters to talk you out of the vision that God will, will position you into. God's vision, by the way, can never be fulfilled by you. You will never have all the resources within your own hands to fulfill the vision that God's placed inside of you. If you can't, it ain't God's vision. It's always going to stretch you beyond you. Well, we can't do this. Here we are again. I thought you're the one that gave me some download during that prayer meeting or worship. And like now it's like, ah, we're in trouble. God says, that's the way I like it. There's a song that goes with that. (laughs) So I like to say just resist the urge. Resist the urge to give in to their pressure. As you hear from the Holy Spirit and your team hears collectively demonstrated, be generous and just brag on Jesus. I, you know, do you like it when people brag about your own kids when they compliment like, man, Johnny, like just tore it up three home runs or like scored five goals. Like Greg said earlier today, it's fun to hear people brag about our kids. Our churches love it when we brag about them. And many of the folks, they're not giving generously yet, but when we're bragging, they're looking at each other like, yeah, we did this. Like, bro, you didn't give nothing like the last three months, but we did this. And then in time, they'll be ready to start chipping in and contributing. It's, it's quite remarkable. I like to say it like this. If you're doing something right, someone's always going to come and hate on you. When you. Whenever you're doing something right. And if, if, every, if everyone is always agreeing with you, you're probably not doing something right. Someone's always going to resist you. Here's a third principle real quick, and, and then we're going to get into the mechanics real quickly here. Number three, be the platform, not the ceiling. And what do we mean with that? Have you, like if you come from old school Pentecostal churches, like I believe somebody here today. Woo! The Lord is saying give a $1,000 into this offering. Have you ever been to one of those churches where they pass the buckets like four times? Someone counts the offerings, come back. I just believe right now my spirit, we're, uh, we're still short about 1700 I believe the Lord is going to speak to somebody.
0: Yeah.
1: Don't raise your hand if you're in a church like that right now. We're praying blessings over you. But don't be the ceiling. Oftentimes I've heard preachers put out an amount. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you $100. Don't put an amount. Allow the Holy Spirit to place the amount. Good. We're, 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 what we're doing is we're reacting out of need. We know that there's a need and we're trying to challenge them. But all of a sudden, they're responding to a guilt trip and a need rather than the vision or the dream that God wants to place in their hearts. And as they partner with heaven, God's going to bless them. He's going to stretch them. So don't be the ceiling. Be the platform saying this is what we're doing collectively. This is what we're dreaming for and believing for. Who's willing to just partner with heaven and see lives change and see communities transformed? Who, who can get down with that kind of a vision? All of a sudden people are like, yeah, we can do this. And God begins to speak to people's hearts. They don't feel manipulated. They don't feel like they went to a timeshare presentation again. They don't feel like someone is like, oh, yeah, you want to be in leadership? You better up your giving game. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden it's the Holy Spirit, and they will want to give. Why? Because it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And no one wants to give to a losing cause. So when you become the platform and you celebrate what God's doing in and through your ministry and say, man, we partner with heaven, man. And we're just getting started up in here. We're we're, we're taking ground. All of a sudden, like, yeah, we can do this. And God begins to challenge them and they begin to give. And I like to say it like this. Tell the story. Put a name and a face to the story. What is it that, that you're trying to convey to the people? What is the opportunity that is right in front of them? Make it personal. By the way, people hate giving to buildings. Oh, we're going to have a building expansion. We're going to add another wing to our property. Like, dude, i got a small backyard myself. Why am I going to want to build a wing for some other knucklehead? You know, like people don't normally give towards that. But when you, when you talk about a building a, a recovery house for women that, are, that were on drugs and they have little babies and how your generosity can get someone off the street and she and her little babies can be, can be taken care of, all of us are like, you know what? That money that we have in our savings account, you know what? We want to make a difference, and pretty soon people want to be generous. Why? Because you gave a picture with a face, perhaps even a name. Make it personal. Say, this is how, this is why we're giving. And so I can give you a handful of examples of what we've done and how to, how to encourage people. People never give towards need. They always give towards vision. They always give towards a cause. Have you heard the saying that, that young people don't give? Whoever's telling you, they're not giving it to you, but they are giving it they're like, oh, these college students, man, we've got a college ministry. They're broke, man. They ain't broke. They're not broke. Some of our wealthiest givers in our church are in their early 20s. Yeah. They ain't broke. They're just not giving it to you. Hmm. Why? Because you, have, you haven't been clear with your vision. You're not painting the picture that compels them, saying, you know what? I want to partner with heaven. I want to be a part of something that changes lives for eternity. The millennials, they get bad rap because, oh, they don't give. They actually do give. So how can we speak a language that resonates in their hearts where the Holy Spirit can say, you know What? I want to partner with you, and I want to use you. You've heard of the story of Nick at night. Nicodemus came to Jesus late at night, right? They were chopping it up and talking business, talking about kingdom stuff. Like, how could I be born again? Like, how does this work, you know? If you study the money trail through Scripture, Nicodemus was one of the fundraisers. He was one of the funders of Jesus' ministry. Many scholars believe that most of the money that that was used to, to pay for the expenses were given by women, But then you got Nicodemus and a few other affluent businessmen who wanted to sow. Why? Because they believed in what he had to say. Something just burned inside of their hearts. You know what? We need a partner. So when Jesus died and there's a tomb that needed to be purchased, who purchased it? A couple of rich who says, you know what? We want to buy this. We want to see Jesus' body buried here. It it grabbed their hearts. So what kind of a, a picture are we painting? What kind of a vision are we casting? Right? So keep the vision and the opportunity always in front of people. Keep it regularly. Celebrate the wins and say, hey, we got, and you have to be, again, this is not a fundraising. You're not trying to milk the people every week. Like, no, we get to do this. We love doing this and there's seasons and generosity is, it's a lifestyle for us. So here's another great opportunity. We get to actually, my wife went to uh, Thailand with our daughters. I got a couple uh, high school student daughters and the sex trafficking thing in, in Thailand is crazy. So when we do a princess conference and we're pulling these gals off of the streets and we're pulling them out of a lifestyle of slavery and we're pulling them out and setting them free and their lives are changed forever, do you think that your church doesn't want to be a part of that? that that's just, and that's just one example of many different things that we get to say, you know what, we get to be a part of this. Maybe in your, in your neck of the woods you don't have a whole lot of that, but it's like that's reality. Or, you know, with, with all these different things that happen, there's always amazing causes. How can we partner? And the more we give, the more the Lord pour, pours in and through us. But you've got to paint that picture, make it clear, and keep it consistent. Always keep it in front of the folks. Be intentional on how you communicate. Um, by the way, if you have business people in the church, again, don't put a lid on what the Lord wants to do through them. Now you say, PJJ, are you talking about PJJ? That's what they call me as well. PJJ, John, John, whatever. So are you, are you trying to, like, give preferential treatment to business people? No. But there's, there's a strategic conversation that we have to have. They speak in a different language. They think through different, and they use different filters. So we'll cast the vision generously through uh, to the entire congregation, but then we will have intentional conversations with businessmen and women who will give extravagant gifts. And they'll make a huge, they'll put a huge dent in the whole, uh, the whole program that you're trying to see fulfilled. Why? Because they have the gift of perhaps generosity, the gift of generosity where God speaks to them and don't water it down. So speak a language that is relevant to everyone but also be intentional. Do you guys understand the difference there? Like, oh, that pastor only wines and dines the rich people. And you don't have to wine and dine the rich people but you have to know how to communicate. Jesus knew how to communicate to those folks as well. Jesus knew how to transcend into every setting into every spirit he knew how to hang out and communicate his message so you got to be intentional you got to be wise i like to say like this teach preach and inspire the people teach preach and inspire generosity again it's a conviction and it's a choice and we have to keep teaching and reminding our people regularly so for us in our context every sunday we have a moment we have our worship songs right and we, we're in the presence of God, and it's always fun when we transition out of worship. Whoever is MC whoever's transitioning the way we do is we get up, and we say, hey, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. We got our connect cards here today. We just want to brag on what God's been doing lately here. And we have these connect cards where people put their prayer requests. And we, we like to, to just celebrate the win. So this last week, we're just going to mention a few. This last, last week, someone landed that job that they've been praying for for the last two months. Someone else got housing in San Francisco. That's a miracle. Someone else came with it. They just received a clear bill of health from their doctors. They no longer have cancer. And we just, re, we just brag on the Lord. Like, this is what God's been doing. And then we're going to pray right now. We have some prayer requests that already came in this last week, and we, we only grab a few out of many that come through. And we're going to pray right now. Someone needs a miracle. They, they were diagnosed with a brain tumor, and we're going to pray in the name of Jesus, and we pray. And that's all done with just a couple little minutes, and we transition then into our generosity moment. So faith has already been built. People are stirred up. Their hearts are soft towards God. God, you're amazing. You're in control. And now the generosity moment, we don't, we don't put the ask. We just make it available. No one, is, no one feels pressured. The way we do it is like, hey, we are a generous church. A church, can, can we just brag on you? We might show a 30 second video of something, something that we just did recently. Because of your generosity, we were able to do this. We want to thank you. And we, we want to part it. And we'll read a brief scripture. It's not a sermon. It's not one of those churches where you go for 20 minutes. It's a sermon in itself, preaching about tithes and offerings. We don't, we don't do that. But we make it very easy then for people to give. We say, we got different ways that you can contribute today. And and again, we don't put an amount, we just, we want to ask you, just ask the Holy Spirit right now, how much should you give today? And then we just kind of leave it at that, we pray, and then most of our giving comes through digital giving, text to give, and apps and different things, that's the majority of our giving. But some of the business people, their checks are large, I'm like, you know what, if it's not an inconvenience to you, would you mind writing a check? Because your check, whenever we use it through credit cards, is going to cost us eight, $900, we might as well use that to go do something extravagant somewhere else, so would you bring the checks instead? And they do. But we communicate it. We teach, we preach, we inspire, we demonstrate, and we give opportunities for people to give easily. Which leads me to number four. Make it easy for people to give. Make it easy. Question over there in the back. Yeah.
0: Do you still have the baskets going around? We do not. We do not. How do they, where they go off the tracks?
1: So let me talk about that right now. So making it easy to give. Again, in our culture, we all have smartphones, I would think. A few of us might have a flip phone. We'll pray for your soul. <laughs> You gotta, here's the thing, understand your culture, understand your demographics, understand who you're working with. I go to some churches and they pass the buckets because that's what works for them. And for them to shift and going into just boxes or giving online, that would be counterproductive for them. So you work with your culture, work with what's in front of you. In our case, uh, we we got rid of the baskets many years ago, actually from day one. We just say, we're not gonna do the basket thing. Particularly in San Francisco, they're so skeptical and cynical, that preacher just wants your money. I knew they were gonna do that. And then the buck, it's just awkward. So we said, you know what? Being that we get to launch from scratch, we're going to just. So we mounted, it's cheesy, but we had red boxes, literally. And like, you don't get a movie with this one, but you could put, in, put something into this red box, right? So we had red boxes, and now they're black boxes. But um, right there, there's envelopes or envelopes, and behind every seat, there's envelopes where people can give. And uh, so when we have the gen- generosity moment, the majority of our gifts already come online and they come through text, and most of them do, do it by reoccurring giving. So it's not like, well, oh, I wonder if I should give today. The majority of the folks that are connected to us, they already give regularly. So we don't, we don't need to pitch it out to them again. Well, faith comes by hearing, hearing of the word. If you don't preach a sermon, they're not going to give. That's wrong. If they're already maturing in the Lord, there's going to be a systematic and there's a culture of generosity. So they give regularly. Making it easy, though, is like, you know what? It's, it's like give them options. If they only have one option how they can give, maybe they didn't bring their checkbook today. Maybe, maybe they didn't bring cash. Maybe they forgot their wallet, but they got their phone. Hey, you can give today by just texting this number right here. Thank you for your generosity. So, we give people multiple ways where they can give. So, it'll, it'll pop on the screens all throughout. So, today you can text by just texting this number, you can give, and you can be part of what God's doing here. Again, they can use the envelope. If some of you guys, and maybe you've been around for a while, like, man, Do you guys actually use credit card numbers on envelopes? Yes. But we seal so the person can actually – like, you know what? I don't remember this info, but I got my credit card here. Let me give right here. They seal the envelope and boom, drop it in one of our boxes all throughout the the facilities, and it's private. Their, Their information is kept private. But we make it easy for them to give. There's a lot of giving platforms. We have several, several sponsors here at our conference right now. Different apps and different ways that people can can harness technology to give. If you're not using that, you're like, no, it just costs us too much money. No, you're not making it easy for them. Spend the money, whatever it is. And by the way, there's different platforms. Like, it, I can I can some of them right here, and I won't. I'll, be, I'll try to be very gracious. But if they're charging you 200 bucks a month for their platform, nah, that's a little overkill. There's a lot of other great products out there for a lot less. And uh, they'll take a tiny little percentage of every gift that comes in, but make it easy for people to give. Amen, somebody? Yes. So talking about here, um, you know, because some of us, we've seen the manipulation. We've seen the abuses. It's like, man, we don't want to abuse some folks. and, um, and So we're, we're reluctant to take an offering. But cast the vision. Make it easy for them to, to jump in. Uh, here's some examples real quick. Digital platforms, texts, apps, websites, reoccurring gifts. Cash, obviously, check uh, uh, boxes, giving boxes, uh, live stream. If you live stream your services, have a button, have a give button right there. By the way, you guys all saw, uh, saw Sean Nebson talk this morning, right? He was transitioning some of our services. Sean was with a handful of pastors, and they met with uh, uh, Facebook. They went to Facebook headquarters, saw Mark Zuckerberg and whatnot, and they're talking about this whole niche within the christian circles where people are live streaming a lot and like what could we do better and one of the things was don't 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 give us a button that says donate give us a button that says give so facebook has changed everything and now churches as you live stream your services people that are watching they can actually click on the give button and they can give right into your ministry and if i understand it correctly there's no 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 cuts that facebook would take it's directly given to you everything goes right into your account which is crazy amazing so explore those options. Make it easy for people to give. And then finally the last thought here is celebrate generously and regularly. Celebrate a party. Every time someone gives generously and the church makes a difference, let's party. So last week we had food trucks show up. Man, we had food trucks and food for everybody, tacos, it's, it's crazy amazing and churros and people are having a great time. Like we love, and the statement was this, we love being a part of our church. Did it cost us several thousand dollars? Absolutely. But man, it was a win for everybody, and they love being a part of a winning culture that way. So brag on your church. Celebrate your wins, big and small. All right, let's have some Q&A, and then we have to wrap things up real quick. What are some questions? Right there. Hey, so you're saying don't take your mind
0: to like, coffee shops. Do you guys sell coffee, or is it free?
1: So we have drip stations that are free. So everyone that comes through, we have We go through tons of coffee. We actually use the Hope Coffee, one of the sponsors here. We actually uh, purchase from them. You're going to pay somebody, might as well pay it to a great cause. And uh, so they send us boxes of coffee regularly. And then we do have our cafe, and we sell our specialty drinks, and all the (coughs) proceeds from that goes towards one of our missions projects. Yeah. Yeah? How do you balance generosity locally to San Francisco? Because I know that's just outside the Bay Area, so I know it's a very... Area, yeah, and in doing stuff in
0: Ghana and Africa and in India, like how do you balance the generosity locally and globally?
1: Great question. The scripture said this: By and by, the poor will be with you always. Mm-hmm. So needs are everywhere. Everywhere you look, there are needs. Needs, 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 needs. So one thing I think you need to be very intentional. Say, Holy Spirit, who are you connecting us with? They don't need tips. And we look for, for, for covenantal relationships. We need partnerships. We're believing for people. And so in our own city, we give probably 5 to 6% of our annual income. We give right back into other ministries within our own sphere, parachurch ministries, recovery homes. I mean, a variety of different – and even pl- church plants. We have several church plants in San Francisco, and we partner with them. We've given extravagant amounts to other church planters. Like, you're giving to other churches in your own city? Absolutely. Why? Because we love our city. And God's sending some helpers. Yeah. There's some other boats that are coming in to help pull some, some fish. Let's help each other. So we've got some amazing. One church planner came with a million dollars. You know how much I came up with? 800. Not 1,000. $800. Dude came with a million. I came with 800. And we were able to give thousands of dollars generously and extravagantly into them. Why? Because we love our city. So we look for Holy Spirit connections. We pray and, uh, and it's, again, it's not like, oh, we want to feel good. Let's just kind of sew it re- uh, wherever. If you're not sure where to give partner with ARC they're, by the way, ARC is generous and there's no squeeze on you. Like, ah. Part of the reason I didn't plan with ARC is because I had heard negative things about ARC Oh, they, They're going to loan you money. It's not a gift or whatever. And I couldn't be more wrong. When I found out late, like, wait a minute, that's not the culture here. I want to partner with these guys. I want to make a difference. I want to, I want to see our, our money go way further, and they've got global connections, so why, why would I limit that? So covenantal connections like that is what I would say. A couple more questions, and that's a wrap. Yes, sir. I like the uh,
0: connect piece on your transitions on the service. Uh, I may have missed it, though, but how do you get the results of a prayer request? I like So you can share that.
1: So, so those cards—they—they fill out, fill those cards out, and they submit it all throughout the facilities. We've got drop boxes where they just drop these cards, and then our staff collects them. I actually personally pray over every single card that comes through every week, and our staff prays. We have prayer meetings throughout the week, and we pray. If there's private stuff, we haven't just—you know—we—we our pastoral team prays about it. So we look at that. um, And 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 by the way, another thought that I forgot to mention. Every season, I mean, every year you should have a purposeful season of when you teach and preach on generosity. So for most churches, October, uh, November is usually the sweet spot because it's, it's near Thanksgiving. If you try to do it around April, which is tax season, you're going to shoot yourself on the foot. For us, what has worked for us is October. We always do a generosity series in October. So actually, this next month, we launched the World of the Generous. And our church loves it. And we celebrate. And, but, yeah, so that's how we collect the, the info, bruh, And we... Uh, it goes into our system and our teams pray and, and then we share, we grab a handful to share on Sundays. And I think I saw a hand there.
0: Yeah. How do you balance um, being generous but also continuing to develop and you're, you're the local church so that the local church, I had a businessman challenging me this year, he said, Pastor, I think we're giving too much away. I'd like to see us reinvest and continue to grow because if we grow, then the pop we're giving away gets bigger i just been wrestling with Great,
1: that. great thought. This is what I tell them. When you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. In Matthew 25, as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto him. You want to show your expression of love to Jesus, love on people. And if you only love on your own church, it's kind of like there's almost a conflict of interest, kind of. It's almost selfish. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus loves his church, and we love our church. That's where we're like, we're working hard. We love our church, and we want to see our church prosper. But we gotta run to the loss. There is a you're doing both, because you're telling stories at yes. like the party, yes. you know, the food trucks.
0: So like you, you mentioned you, you gave you're giving twenty two percent away this year. Mm-hmm. Um, any idea what's I don't know how you can put a number like how much are you putting in on loving loving your own people.
1: So here's the, the thought. Um, ARC Ark recommends it like this. Um, uh, work on 90% of last year's budget. So you say, okay, so X amount came in. Let's just round it off. A million dollars came in. So you're gonna work off of 900,000. All of your operating expenses need to be within that 90% and you save 10%. For us, we actually work off of 70%. So imagine that. So we're working off of 70%. There's a little wiggle room and 22 percent is what we've been giving out. So we're saving money. We like to say it like this, we spend wisely, we save aggressively and we give generously. We spend wisely. We save aggressively and we give generously. So be wise in how you spend. Be intentional. When we do the taco trucks like we just did last week, that was that was multifold. Here's the thing. We were celebrating our church. We're celebrating our dream team, our volunteers, man. You guys are amazing. We could not have done this without you. And by the way, when other people are coming to church and they're seeing all these food trucks show up like. What's that all about? Man, that's for our dream team. Are you part of the dream team? No. How do I get involved? We've got to sign you up right now. And then all of a sudden it becomes a recruiting, so we're investing into our church. And people are getting involved, and as they're serving, they're growing. Are you with me? And I could preach a whole series on that one, but right here. What's the title of your book? <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> Help a brother out. I yeah. to um, talk to business guys who said they had a different language. What do you suggest? Please. So again... <laughs> Let me, let me give you some connections because I got some great resources. It would take me a whole hour to talk about that right there. So hit me up after the session because I'll give you some great resources. And we have another app session. My brother's going to do better than me. He, just, he went there. How many minutes have we got? We're, we're coming up on the time. Seven more minutes. Seven more minutes.
0: Say, say that one more time. But spend wisely, save aggressively,
1: and give generously. Give church. Um, have y'all heard of Robert Morris, Gateway Church? Right? <laughs> the Blessed Life is one of the most life changing books that I've, other than the Bible like that. That revolutionized like how we saw finances and generosity and extravagant generosity. If you haven't done it, come on, do yourself a favor. That's the best tip from today. Just read The Blessed Life. It's a phenomenal book. Theologically, it's sound. It's relevant. It's, it's amazing. God bless you. So who else? Any other questions? Just a comment on your timing of your tithing or your generosity. So one thing that people should know today is, is there $7 trillion worth of- money out there held by uh, older generation access. So if you've mm-hmm. got folks like that in your in your congregations, it, all, uh, all, October is the best time to do that because wow. they can pass. They don't want a lot of them don't want to take that money to income. They can pass that right to your church, but mm-hmm. it takes about a month for you know for them to make that happen. So set, imagine you put seven trillion dollars. Wow. To, yeah. To, the church. Yeah, there's some great resources on living trust and different, you know, wills and different things where people can actually will it to the church. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's a great pointer. Great thought. Yeah, in the back. Hi. I'm from Oakland, so. Bay Area yeah, represents. Represent. I know that the uh, Bay Area uh, needs Jesus. Yeah. Um, but, you yeah. <laughs> know, we're dealing with um, maybe third generation of unchurched coming into the church. Mm-hmm. You kind know, of seeing, like, what is this all? You hit on it, said, you know, if they're mature, there's some systematic thing. Like, I was raised in church, I don't
0: tie them to just like mm-hmm. basic, like, what? Mm-hmm. You, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, because I grew up with that. Mm-hmm. But three generations
1: of never going to church, like, your grandmother didn't even take you to church. Mm-hmm. Again. Do you teach on that? Like, do you start with that principle? And then, if you do, how often? Great, great questions. Brilliant, brilliant questions. Here's a big question What language do you speak on Sunday mornings? Mm-hmm. Culture is what you create or allow. Right? Chris Hodges would even say culture is who you are So what do you allow in your churches Maybe we've come from some backgrounds where, like man we just we brought that culture with us But it's now irrelevant with the new generation We like to say it like this We work hard all week To make it easy on weekends for people to encounter Jesus So all week long We're working hard to make it easy We never water down the gospel But we speak a language That is easy for the unchurched to understand Have any of you ever been to a mosque before? Let me see a hand or two she was putting her sweater on, so that didn't count. A mosque. Well, I've never been there. A couple of you maybe have. Like, if I were to go to a mosque, well, I wouldn't. But if I had to go, like, what do I do? Like, do I bring my own mat? Like, I always see them kind of bending over. Like, are there mats provided at the door? Do I bring my head covering? And, like, uh, I don't know what to do. So I would be completely out. Well, that's the unchurched. When they don't come to your church, uh, Is there going to be an offering bucket? Are they going to put the squeeze on me for money? And they don't know what to expect. So we try to remove all those hurdles as much as possible. And they say like this: the the new generation—they're watching you online first, once or twice, maybe three times before they even show up. Unless they have a friend that's invited them, they're not even going to show up. So they're going to check you out. So what language do you speak? So when it comes to giving on Sundays, we celebrate Jesus. You know, the saints, they're going to get regardless, but we speak a language. where, like, hey, you know what? If you want to join in today and partner with us, we are making a difference in people's lives. You're welcome to join in with us today. You don't have to be a member. just And we talk like that. Then through small groups and then through our building blocks classes, that's when we go deep. Sunday morning is snorkeling. During the week, we go scuba diving. Go. So during the week... Now we're intentional. It's deep discipleship, and we expect if you're a born-again believer, you're a follower of Christ, we're going to disciple you. We're going to show you the disciplines. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ, and giving is obedience, like I said, tithing, and that's where we, we get into the mechanics of it all. Does that make sense? Yeah, sense? Hopefully that helps somebody. Any other questions here? Yes, sir. You mentioned that most of your giving is coming in digitally recurring, mm-hmm. are there any practical steps to guide your congregation to setting up recurring? So again, there's different platforms out there. I have to be careful because we've got different sponsors. Yeah. So I got to be careful. I use one in particular that was sponsoring ARC a couple of years ago, and they were charging us way too much money. And if with their product, we would get a church app as well. In our demographics, most people don't use apps like that. They'll use the church mobile site, but not a, a third party app. So, what we do is we build it within our own mobile site, a give button. One of the first things you see, there's a give opportunity click. And it takes up and it's just two steps, and boom, it's all set up. You don't have to. And once you do the first setup, then it's always a one-click away give opportunity. So if you're having to make them go through three, four, five different hoops to get to that give portion, you've already you've already shot yourself on the foot. So make it easy. Some of the sponsors that we have here are outstanding, they're great. Check them out, do their research, but again. If they're charging about two hundred bucks a month, don't <laughs> Any other questions? Real talk, kingdom talk, right here, right? <laughs> you know. If you, if you feel pushed to pay, then, like, be careful. Be careful. <laughs> or to give, I should say, or whatever. Ca- right. Keen, real talk right here. I'm just, anyways. Oh, I'm so, I'm so. Edit this.
0: Now.
1: <laughs> One more last question, and it's a wrap. Anybody else? Does this help anybody? Does this encourage you? My hope is to inspire you to say, listen, partner with God. God's going to bless you. He's going to help you. We don't give so that we can get. We give so that we can continue to give even more. As you go with an open hand, God, you're, you're giving God something to work with, right? So challenge your people. Inspire them. Have them partner with heaven watch what the Lord's gonna do. Can I pray for you? Yes. Let's stand real quick and I'll pray this blessing. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. thank you for this time. Thank you for this amazing conference. Thank you for your heart of generosity. God, you're a generous God. For God so loved the world that he gave. God, you are a giving God. You're a generous God and Lord, you grant us the privilege of farming with you in generosity. So, God, I pray that there would be a release, Father God, of an anointing. Lord, not that we're special, but whatever you've done even in San Francisco, God, which is miraculous. God, I pray that there would be an impartation to my friends even today. Lord, that their churches would continue to grow in generosity, that the culture would be evident. It would be noticeable, Father God. People would be they would marvel at what God's done in and through their ministries. God afraid for courage today that there will be no discouragement, but that you would encourage your people. Let finances flow through your few bucks in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.